0: Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Hey, I want to share. and I'm going to step out of my uh, normal series that I've been doing called Rebuild and I'll pick that back up next week because it's Valentine's Day and because it's not only Valentine's Day, a time to love, a time to show our appreciation, a time to show our gratitude to those that are dear to us. And so today I want to speak to you today about a message that the Lord laid on my heart specifically for this day. It's called Love acceptance and forgiveness, Uh, love, acceptance and forgiveness. You know, today, obviously we know it's Valentine's Day, and throughout the week, we've been given maybe cards and candies and gifts to our special someone. I picked up the flowers on Friday to uh, bring to the Valentine's banquet Friday night, the different colored flowers that men were so eagerly standing up before my wife even described what they were. And if they remembered, it was red for red for love and yellow and green and peach and all these things. And I was excited to see these men, Randy uh, Clawwetter and all the rest and Harlan. They were standing up before my wife could even get what that flower meant because they wanted to get it to their woman, right? But I went to the flower shop there in Webster, and I mean to tell you, there was probably six people in there working on flowers all in that place. I mean, everywhere. But what I noticed, not only was they they were working on all the flowers, but the whole floor in which they were standing was stems that they were trimming off from the roses. And I mean to tell you, they were just packed, I mean, all on the floor, everywhere. And I said, man, it looks like you guys have been really busy today giving out all these flowers and stuff. And the lady responded back to me, she said, this is the fourth time it's been like this all day we cleaned it three other times and my heart just got excited to see that man you're mean to tell me that all these stems that i'm seeing on the floor and all the leaves and all the uh, the other stuff that was there is the fourth time like this and she said absolutely she said this will go on until sunday today and like this all day long and what really excited me about that it was a sign of showing love love Valentine's Day is a sign that we show love, that we have not an excuse to show love. We should show love every day, but a sign to show love to the special someone that we truly love and truly care about. It's a time that we give gifts and a time we give cards. I don't know about you, but I gave my wife her card last night, and I, I got a good night kiss last night. She loved me. Praise hallelujah. Amen. I said, thank you, Jesus. Somebody say Amen. And then after I said, thank you, Jesus, I said, praise hallelujah, amen. I said, you're a good God. But you know what? You know, love, acceptance, and forgiveness, if you have your notes, there is a need, and I want you to get this in your heart, there is a need for three essential areas in the human life, three essential areas that we all need in our lives, and here they are. It's love. How many know that we need to be loved, and we want to be loved, and we want to be, number two, we want to be accepted. We want to be loved, we want to be accepted, and then we want to be forgiven. You know, we want others to forgive us, but it's hard sometimes to forgive others. But we all want to walk in love, acceptance, and forgiveness. I want to be loved, I want to be accepted, and I want to be forgiven. The person who is loved, accepted, and forgiven is the person who walks in confidence. When you know that you're loved and you know that you're accepted, when you know that you're forgiven, it makes you want to keep your shoulders high and walk with confidence because I know that I have someone in my corner that is supporting me, loving me, and backing me every step of the way. So because you know that there's someone in your corner that gives you confidence, that so, hey, man, I can scale the mountain, I can, man, j- jump over buildings, because why? There's someone in my corner that loves me and accepts me for just who I am. And not only do they love me and accept me, but they forgive me of my faults, my failure, and I'm wrong. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Isn't that a good feeling to know that you're loved? Man, I'm telling you, wives and husbands, when you got a card from your wife, or you got a card from your husband, or you got a flower from your husband, or your wife, whatever the case may be, didn't that make you feel good? That, man, they showed that they loved you and they showed that they appreciated you. They even maybe told you in a card how much they love you and that you're the best thing that ever happened to me because that's what I wrote in my card to my wife. Isn't that something that you feel that way? And love. You see, listen, I love this. If we want to make the world a better place, walk in those three areas of your life. You see, listen, the Bible says in 1 John 2, 6, he who claims he lives in him must walk as Jesus did. And Jesus walked in three areas of life. Number one... God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So what he showed, he demonstrated love. That he laid down his son, gave his best and nothing less for you and I. That I'm giving my son and nothing less to show you that I'm devoted and I'm committed to this relationship. That I love you so much that I'm giving you my best in my son. That's a great feeling. But he says if we claim we live in him, we must walk as Jesus did. Do we show love to one another? Do we show love to our brothers and sisters? After all, the Bible says the two greatest commands is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then the second greatest command is to do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Does that mean when only you love when you feel good? Does that mean that you only love when it's Valentine's Day? Does that mean that you only love when someone does something nice to you? You love in the good times and even in the bad times of your life. Love is not measured by feelings and emotion. Love is a commitment, a steadfast commitment that I choose to love you regardless of how I feel, regardless of what the day looks like, and regardless of you and I got into a fight or got angry at each other, I choose to still stay in love. Yeah. And then the other thing is if you want to make the world a better place, accept Jesus says, I love what Jesus said in his word. He says in John that he who comes to me, He who comes to me, look at what he says, I will no way cast away as orphans, that Jesus accepts you just as you are. You know, when you came to Christ, some of you can remember your testimony, what you looked like, what you acted like, the things you did before you accepted Christ. I don't know about you, but before I accepted Christ, because of my mess that I was in in life, I was afraid to go to Christ. I was afraid that he wouldn't accept me because of all my mess and all the things that I have done. But I have learned one thing that Jesus doesn't look at the outward appearance. Jesus looks at the man's heart. God looks at the heart, man looks at the outward appearance, and he accepted me just as I was. How I many can relate? Maybe you were afraid to go to God because you were afraid that maybe he wouldn't accept you because of your mess. But I always say, God takes your mess and gives you a message. But then Jesus says, if you want to make this world a better place, learn to forgive. A lot of times we walk around with unforgiveness towards people in our lives. And usually what unforgiveness does, it revolves or escalates into being hatred towards someone, angry at someone, Upset at someone because unforgiveness is usually the root of anger of being upset and being mad at someone. That's what usually anger stems from, that I didn't forgive you and I can't forgive you and therefore I have a right to be mad at you. But if we want to change the world, it needs to start with us, that God, I'm going to walk in those three elements of life and say, God, I'm going to choose to love, accept And forgive. If you have your first point, you can see love. And I thought this was really cool about love when I looked up the word love and I studied the word love and met it says this. The word love occurs five hundred sixty-seven times in the Bible. I think that's pretty important. Amen? Five hundred sixty-seven times in the Word of God, it talks about love that God emphasizes from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between to love. Love is the icing on the cake. Man, you can have the greatest gift that you give to someone in your life, but when you give that gift, it's usually out of love. I gave you that gift because I love you, and I want to show you that I love you by giving you this gift. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to mankind is love. When you ask your kids... What love is? Or when you ask kids what love is, they will draw you a big heart. How I many you know what I'm talking about? They'll draw you a big heart. My grandkids were just at my house. They just left. Scott spoke last week. Wasn't Scott great last week? Wasn't that fun to watch Scott and my daughter? And many of you got ministered to. Man, we were here till two o'clock in the afternoon. They were praying for people. But I asked my grandkids. I said, Peyton, Zion, what does love mean to you? And they giggled. I, I'll never forget at my cabin. They giggled and they smiled. They say, Papa. I said, no, tell me what love means to you. And both of them, I mean simultaneously, what they do, they do big hearts on the piece of paper. That's what love meant to them is a heart. When you talk to a teenager, when you talk to a teenager, what is love to them? They will say that I always want to be with them and that I always think about them. How many can relate to what I'm talking about? Do you remember those days? You couldn't get your mind off the Brandon. I mean McKenna. I'm sure that Brandon was the same way. You had those hearts. Boom, boom. Now, now uh, uh, Maddie and, and Corbin are doing the same thing, right? right? Boom, boom, boom. I can see it over there in the corner. Look at that. They got a light round, right? Red around them. Look at this glowing of red, right where you're. Woo! Look at that, Maddie. The heart. Boom, 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 boom. Right. It's love. You can't get your mind off them. You think about them 24-7. You want to be with them. That's what love means sometimes to teenagers. But what does love mean to adults? When you ask an adult what love is, they will say, by doing things for them, we show our love by our action, that we do things, not our obligation. Now, get this, guys. We do things out of not out of obligation, But I do things for my wife, and she does things for me because she loves me. When you look at things when your wife or your husband asks you to do something, even you young people, when you look at things and say, well, I'm obligated to do this, it's going to be a drudgery when you do do it. But if you have a mindset. That, man, my wife or my husband is asking me to do this. He's asking me to do this. And I'm going to respond, not out of obligation. I'm not going to respond by anger or being upset that he can't get out of bed. He's too lazy. He can't get out of bed and get his own water. What's wrong with him? You see those things attached to his head? They're called legs. Use them. Amen. Amen. But when you respond out of obligation instead of love, you're going to be miserable because a lot of things, if you're not motivated by love and you do things out of obligation, you're going to be an upset person because the things that we do for one another should be, I do it, not an obligation, but I do it out of love. And when you have that mindset, it changes your ha- whole attitude and your whole outlook on things in your life. I choose. But then he goes on to this. By doing things for them, telling them and showing them that they love them. You know, my my wife and, and I'm sure Kathy and I'm sure Cindy, they learned something from their, their dad. They learned something from their dad, and they, what they learned from their dad was every time that their dad left the house, before he left the house, he would do one thing every time. He would go to his wife, my mother-in-law, Ruth and he would kiss her three times. And when he kissed her three times, that meant, I love you. And he didn't even have to say the words. And I remember when I first came into this family, and I thought, man, these guys need to find a room. (laughs) And then I realized that what he was doing before he left the house was, honey, I love you. Let me say this to you. Men, women. You need to find a place and find an avenue, find things that you can show your husband or your wife or your kids that you love them, maybe maybe not just with words, but with action. And so because what her father has done, we as a family, my kids, we've all adopted that. If you see me sometimes when I'm sitting on the front row, man, I'm not ashamed to tell you that I love my pookie woman. And I know that Kathy, and I know that Cindy, and I know that Dee Dee have all adopted that same thing. I love you. Find something in your relationship that will keep the romance and the spark going in your life of saying to one another that I love you. In first John chapter 4. I love this chapter because it speaks about love. It talks about love all the way through there. And when it talks about love, it's identifying Jesus and how he loved. He said, dear friends, let us love one another. But look at where he says it comes from. Everything that has happened in love originated from God. You see, you didn't originate love. That love when you first met your girlfriend, when you first first met your your boyfriend, and you fell in love and got engaged and got married, that love was instilled in you by the very one who created it, for love comes from God. He put in you a sense of love, a sense of belonging, a sense of needing, a sense of acceptance. He put that in you so that you can learn to love One another. And love looks beyond the faults, the sins, and the failures of a person's life. And he goes on to say, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Wow. You want to know how you know if you love Christ and Jesus lives in you? By loving one another. The Bible says in Matthew 7, verse 20, it says this, they shall know them by the fruit that you bear. One of the most identifiable fruits in a person's or a Christian's or a believer's life is that you love. That, that what God has instilled in you, Lord, I'm going to express it out here. It's an inward experience, inward experience, get this now, with an outward expression. That, God, I had an inward experience. God, I experienced your love. I experienced your presence in my own life. You transformed me, changed me, rearranged my life. I've had an inward experience. Now, God, i got an outward expression of showing my love and my gratitude to those around me. And he goes on to say, watch this. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Ooh. It's pretty strong, right? Then he goes on, verse 9. Watch. And he says... This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. You get what he did? He gave his best and nothing less. His one and only son. There was not another son to replace him. He gave his best. Then he goes on to say, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. That's why he showed his love. He showed us his love that we can be set free. He that the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus said, what, I have been crucified. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that lives within me, that Christ lives in me. In other words, God, I have crucified the flesh. I crucified those things in my life so that you can dwell and live in me. Then he goes on to say, I love this. Watch this. In verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love God. One another, You know, how many have ever have heard the old statement, play it forward or pay it forward? You know what I'm talking about? You ever, ever pay it forward before? Every time we go to Minnesota, we just did it again when we were down in Minnesota last week. When we, last week we, we went to Minnesota and we go to the, the same McDonald's every time we go there in Lakeville where my son's at. And there was a gentleman there that, uh, man, he, he had a nice car and so on. We just did this last week. I'll never forget. And I so we paid it forward. And so I said to the lady, I said, hey, um, how much is this meal? We want to take care of it. And they have to run my card twice because they can't do it on the uh, same bill. So I paid it forward. And do you know what that guy did? He was behind us, man, flashing his lights, beeping his horn, man, letting us know, man, and I'm just going like this. So then when we pulled out, and you know, if you're there by Lakeville, you have to turn right. You can't go straight across the viaduct. You have to go around, and then you have to turn left back there at the light, and you know what that guy did? After he got done being served, he quickly caught up to us, and I thought, man, this guy going crazy, going to run us off the road, what? And I mean to tell you, you should understand what he did. He got alongside us, and he just began to wave. You could see his mouth, thank you, thank you. And we just went. You see, there's something about paying it forward. You say paying it forward. Didn't Jesus pay it forward by laying down his son? He paid it forward. And because he paid it forward, guess what it done? It did a life-changing experience in your life. It changed you, rearranged you, gave you a different outlook and and, an attitude of living. And that's what God wants us to do. And what do we pay forward? We pay forward the same love that Jesus instilled in us. We pay it forward and we give it to others. And the same love that Jesus showed you and how it changed you, that same love could melt the hardness of someone else's heart if you learn to pay it forward. And then he goes on to say, no one has ever seen God. But God lives in us and made us complete in him. He said, go to the next verse. Watch this. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us the spirit. The Bible says, don't you know that you are a temple of God? That you are a temple. Now, you got to get this. You are a temple of God. And God's spirit lives in you. So, in other words, God poured himself into you. Valentine's banquet, I was so grateful for all the servers. And they came with pitchers of water. And you know what? Man, if that pitcher was empty, guess what? When I would have tried to pour, nothing would have came out. But they took that pitcher and they took it into the kitchen and they filled that pitcher up with water that when we began to pour the water, it was able to fill my glass because what? The pitcher was full of water. It's the same with you. The Bible says if any man is thirsty, let him come and drink and streams of living water will flow from within him. And what happens is God pours his spirit into you. He pours it into you so that, guess what, you can be a drink of water to someone who's thirsty, to someone who's in need, someone who's hurting, someone who's sick, someone's afflicted, that God shows you. And that you can be a drink of water or you can show love or gratitude to them. Because God lives in you. He lives in your temple. And then I I love this. He goes on in verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his son to be the Savior of the world. Man, isn't that cool to be the Savior of the world? Keep going. And then he goes on. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God and God lives in them and they live in God, and we so know that rely on the love God has for us, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in them. Wow. Oh. You want pe- people all say, how can I know Jesus? How can I see God? They see God in you. By loving people in their faults, their wrongs, and their failures. You love the sinner. Now get this. You love the sinner, but you hate the sin. God didn't say you had to accept the sin, but God did say you have to love the sinner. And love is what melts the sinner's heart. Love is what transforms a person's life. Love is what makes them attracted to you. If you use always vinegar, guess what you're going to do? You're going to repel them. But if you use love, they're going to be attracted to you. Love attracts. Opposite of love is vinegar. It pushes away. Then he goes on to say, this is how we made made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world we are like Jesus. Do you ever think of the word Christian? How many claim that we're Christians? Come on, let me see your hands. You claim you're a Christian? Come on, we all claim we're Christians. Do you understand what that word means? Christ like. So in other words, when you say to people, out there in this community that are dying or sick and afflicted, when you say, and you got that badge on your shoulders or on your chest like a police officer, and you tell people, hey, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, then we need to start living like it. Live like Jesus. What is Jesus all wrapped up in? Love. For love, love. Then it goes on, watch this. <laughs> I know there's a lot of verses. Therefore, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. So, why is he saying that? You ever think about that? When someone's angry at you, maybe you blew up at your spouse and you blew up at them, and what happens when you blew up at them? You're afraid or they're afraid to approach you. Why? They're fearful about what may come out of your mouth or how you're going to react. But love, what? It tapers down the anger. It tapers down the frustration, and it welcomes people in again. And that's why it says perfect love casts out all fear. Because when you love, people will be attracted to you. They know that you accept them. They know that you forgive them. And they know that you're going to sit and reason with them. And we can say amen. It's Valentine's Day we're supposed to love, right? And it goes on to say verse 20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. That's not me saying that. Pastor Andrew, that's pretty strong. That's pretty, calls us a liar. I don't know about you, how many of you have ever been called a liar and you're like, what? I'm going to knock you out. Mama going to knock you out, right? And he's, Jesus is saying, point blank, you're a liar. Whoever does not love their brother or the sister whom they have seen cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother And their sister. Wow. I choose to love, and not just on Valentine's. I choose to love 24-7, 365 days a year. I choose to love even when it hurts. You say, Pastor, what do you mean even when it hurts? Do you not think Jesus, when he was whipped with a cat of nine tails and his hands and his feet were nailed, and the spear was in his side. You think it didn't hurt, but he chose to love. Love doesn't say you're going to have a bed of roses like it is on Valentine's Day, but love does quench the fires and the anger and the hatred and the bitterness in your life. That's why it says in Ezekiel that God's going to take out the heart of stone. And give you a heart of flesh. And the reason why he says that, because our our hearts become hearts of stone when we're walking in hatred, bitterness, and anger instead of love. Love keeps us pliable, love keeps us open, love keeps us accepting of one another. And then he goes on to say, I love this love is not just a feeling or an emotion, it's a lifestyle of the one who lives in us. We are Jesus. And close. Feelings and emotions come and go, but Christ and the love he puts in us is established forever. In other words, God doesn't love you one day and not the next. God doesn't love you when you mess up, he still loves you no matter what you do in life. He left the 99 to go after the one. God loves you regardless of what you're going through. Love is not just a world, it's an action behind it. It shows action behind it. If our world wants to be changed, then we need a dose of Christ and a Valentine's Day every day. How many of you know what I'm talking about? A dose. Love, I get this. Love protects, love guides, love provides, and love never stops giving and living. It never stops giving and living. One of the greatest stories of when my kids and my sister and my my brother and I, six sisters, and my and my brother, you know, being a big household, and my mom was the only one there to support us. At, and many times, because of that, so many kids uh, we'd get sick. And I remember in the wee hours of the night, my mom was dead dog exhausted. She worked as a nurse, the second shift at St. Mary's Hospital there in Racine, and she'd come home and she'd be dead dog exhausted. But you know what? When one of us kids responded by being sick, guess one who was the first one there to be at our bedside? My mama. She was moved by love. And by her actions of love, it made me or my brothers or my sister feel like everything was going to be okay. Love changes the countenance, the attitude, and the emotions of the person that you're loving. Did you get that? It changes the attitude, the emotions of the person in which you're loving. I love this. There is no expiration date with love. It never expires. Love never quits when things get tough, rough, and even messed up. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Love people when they least expect it. And least deserve it. You love people when they least expect it and least deserve it. Now, how many of you have ever watched the uh, American Picture Show? You know, you ever, ever watched American Pickers? I love that show because I like antiques and my sisters like antiques. My dad and my stepmom, they would always go to these antique dealerships and they would go to auctions and buy all these antiques. So I kinda kinda I got like a little bit of insight about antiques. And matter of fact, my, my wife has an antique dresser and stuff from her grandmother and blah blah blah. And so I know a little bit about antiques. But anyways, what American pickers do, they go around and they travel all around the globe, right? You know, you even go over, on, overseas and you get some stuff overseas, but more, it's mostly in the United States. And they do is they, 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 they look for antiques. They look for things of value. And what they do is they, they try to get it for this amount so they can sell it for that amount. It's always trying to see if they can make money and the value of what they pick. How I many you know what I'm talking about, right? In our lives, there are three things and people look for, three things that show value, that show value in you. Just like I find this American picker, and they find this antique thing, and they, 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 they sell it, and it represents value. And, man, they, they usually go after motorcycles. They love motorcycles. Well, the other guy loves toys. He, I don't know. Maybe he's a, a, a big kid all the time. He, he just loves toys, right? So that's what they always kind of pick for. They look for something with value. But people look for value in you. Here's how they're going to see the the value in you. There's this right there. People looking for three things in you that show value. Number 1, are you authentic or are you real? If you want to show value to people, show them that you're authentic and that you're real. That you don't got these airs about you, you're not putting on a facade, that you're real. You've let them see the real you. You've taken down the fence. You've taken down the facade. You've taken down the show that people are seeing you and not this facade. Another thing that people value is this number two. Are you compassionate and loving? People don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. Are you loving and compassionate? Are you forgiving and accepting? Are you moved by emotions when you see someone that's hurting, someone that's sick and afflicted? That's what people want to know. Are you real? Are you compassionate? They loved Jesus because every time Jesus came on a crowd, you read the story. Jesus was moved with compassion. And not only was he moved with compassion, he showed it on his face. He even wept. He even cried for the needs of those around him. And what happened, it it brought people in. It made people feel intimate with Jesus because why? He understood them right where they're at. And in your life, people don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you're going to love. Do you really feel their pain? Are you real? Number three, are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to go the extra mile? You see, I always say this, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap, but action is deep. Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to go the extra mile? If you were in Cheryl, my shoes, you know that Cheryl and I, we get phone calls two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, round the clock. We're gonna rock. You you know we get calls all night long. All night long all night. Lionel Richie, if you're wondering. <laughs> you don't know none of that. But you know what, listen, we get calls all night long. And you know what, when they call me, I have two decisions. I have two choices. Either I'm going to let it ring and go to my answer machine, or I'm going to pick it up. And a lot of times when I pick it up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, which you're not even aware Jeff, my dad, he's aware of everything that I go through, the appointments I have, the late night hours I spend. And when I pick up that phone at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, the person that calls me with the emergency are startled, the first of all, that you picked up the phone. Second of all, that I prayed with them. Third of all, that I came over there. And you know what? Many of there's some of you here today, I, I want to point you out because you know who you are, but I've been at your house and I remember coming to some of your houses, the first thing that you said, Pastor, it's so awesome that you came here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You see, love is willing to sacrifice. It's willing to give up the essentials or the amenities of your maybe your own personal life for the sake of others. God, I have to sometimes break out of my comfort zone to comfort someone else in their zone. That's what people are really looking for. Another one is this, point two, acceptance. And I, I really want you to hear this one. I, This one really resonated with me. And so uh, acceptance. A person's desire to be accepted regardless of race, color, or, or status. That a person wants to be accepted. We all want to be accepted. How many of re- you relate what I'm talking about, right? We all want to be accepted. In Romans chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, I love what Jesus is saying there, or Paul is saying to the church in in the Roman church. He says this, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. First for the Jew, that's me and you. Then he even emphasizes the Gentile, which is what? The sinner. So he looks at the spectrum of both good and evil. Believer unbeliever. He looks at both of them, and he goes on to say this, for God does not show favoritism. Amen. He doesn't show favoritism. Do you know what the greatest places where Jesus ministered to? It was in the marketplace. It was in the marketplace where there was less fortunate where there were sinners, where there were non-believers, where there were drunkers, where there were drug addicts, where there were adulterers, where there were uh, 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 prostitutes, all these things is where Jesus went to the marketplace because he didn't show favoritism to the more fortunate and the less fortunate. He said, they're all equal in my eyes. He who comes to me, I will no way cast aside. I will accept them. I will love them. I will embrace them. And it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. Or who you are. I accept you. Come on. And that's what God he accepts us. He says that people find, you got to get this now. Please hear this. People find their way in life a lot of times by the people who accept them for who they are. If you're a young person, can you do me a favor? You're a teenager and below. Can you just do me a favor? Can you just stand for a minute? If you're a teenager, please stand. Just just stand. Don't be afraid to stand. Please stand. Yeah. I want to tell you something. I'm so grateful for you. I want you to know that your pastor understands you. I really want you to you can be seated. Your pastor understands them. When I was a youth pastor, this resonated, stuck in my heart. I mean to tell you, I would walk away and ask my wife when I would go into Fruita High School, Grand Junction High School, Center High School, all the different things, Palisade High School. When I traveled for Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and I went to all these schools, and I preached all over to all these schools, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, all through the whole state of Colorado, I traveled and traveled, and I would minister to young people. And I remember, man, when I ministered to these young people, and that night after ministering to them in school, we'd have an outing at a church, and we'd tell them, come to this church and come to that church. And all these kids would come in waves. Michael, I'll never forget this. And this transformed my life as a pastor, because there I was only the second peon. I was only the youth pastor. Huh? In the light, stay in the light. I saw the light, right? And these kids would come. So, parents, I want you to hear me now. These kids would come in the groves. They would come in droves, and I'd give an altar call. And I'd pray with these kids. And these kids would sit there and cry. And I'd say, young lady, young man, what is wrong with you? What's wrong? Why are you crying? And they would always say, it never failed. They wouldn't call me Pastor C.J. because I couldn't introduce myself as Pastor C.J. in the schools. I had to be C.J. And they would come up to me and they said, CJ, you don't understand. And I said, what do you mean I don't understand? They said, I don't want to be doing what I'm doing. I don't want to be doing drugs. I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to be doing that. But that's the only category of people that will accept me. And so, therefore, I caved in and I fell under the peer pressure and I fell into drugs. I fell into sex. I fell into this thing. All because this was the group that would accept me. And I'd sit there and weep with them. And they would cry, I don't want to be doing this. Many kids would come and they would hand me, Scott, I kid you not, suicide letters. Saying, I want to take my life. And back in that day when I was being a youth pastor, cutting was really in. And if you know anything about cutting, man, cutting is exactly what they did in the book of Elijah. That they cut themselves calling on the demons to try to prove Elijah's God was not as strong as their God. So they cut themselves making themselves a sacrifice. And kids would roll up their sleeves. And they had cuts all over their arms. And they said, CJ, I don't want to do this in my life but this is the only group that will accept me for who I am. You see, listen, I'm sorry. I get, we all have a need to be accepted and loved because that we do things that maybe we shouldn't. Because we feel the need to be accepted, because we feel the need to be loved, we end up doing things that we shouldn't. Do you think that the road that I took in my life that when I was doing drugs, do you think I wanted to do that? What happened with me, I was slow, and I was in a special ed class. And so because I was slow in a special ed class in sixth grade, then into seventh grade, I was placed in the category of losers. Oh, we were in special ed class. We were separated out from all the popular kids. And I'll never forget when I was sitting at a round table, just like the ones at Valentine's banquet, the round table. Man, a young man introduced to me microdots or speed. And he said, it's "CJ, he said, take one of these. If you know anything about microdots, you put them in your eyes." And it gets in your bloodstream, and you get the rush that you never know in your life. Your head feels like you're exploding. They look like little poppy seeds, and you put them in your eyes, and man, before you know it, you're flying higher than a kite. But you know why I gave into that? It's not because I wanted to, it's because this young man accepted me. I was a loser, I was an outcast, I was in special ed, I couldn't read, I had dyslexia. I was accepted. I was accepted. You got to get this now. Watch this. In James, I know it's time, but you got to hear your pastor's heart. Watch this. Watch this in James. James 1, James 2, 1 through 4. Brothers, my brothers and sisters, believers in this glorious Lord Jesus Christ. And look what he says. You must not show favoritism. You know that my goal as pastor is to touch every one of you. Every time I come in here, it's intentional when I come in late because I'm moving from the back to the front trying to touch every one of you as much as I can. Why? because I don't know who gives in this place and I don't know who doesn't give in this place I don't know who has deep pockets and those don't have deep pockets because I never want people to think I love you because you're deep pockets I love you because of who you are that's what your pastor is all about. It doesn't matter how you look, how you smell, how you dress, what color of your skin. You are loved at Adventure Church. And while Cheryl and I are pastors, I don't care who you are, what you've done, and where you came from. You are welcomed in these doors at Adventure Church. And if anybody ever pushes you away, you let this guy know because I'll push them away. Come on. What he says, suppose a man comes in your meeting wearing a gold good gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man is filthy, old clothes also comes in. He said, If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and says, Here, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand or sit uh, a or sit on the on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated? Your, amongst yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? See, listen. Hear your pastor this morning. We as a venture church should have a trademark. Just like on Crest toothpaste, they have a trademark. Just like on Armour Ham and Bacon Soda, they have a trademark. Just like maybe some of you have a trademark or a logo for your business that identifies who you are. We as Adventure Church need to have a trademark, and the trademark should be, are you accepted? Yes, you are. We need to have on our hearts the trademark of acceptance. I'm going to tattoo on my body, acceptance. You are accepted here. Whenever we think we're too big or too good is when God will pull the spirit Amen. Acceptance means looking beyond their looks, color of skin, and even their faults and failures. We as a church need to learn the secret of acceptance because if we don't, if we don't, the world will. The world will. And we wonder why some of our kids, some of our people that maybe have attended here once before or other people gone to other churches, have stopped going to other churches and stopped going to church all in general. Why? Because maybe they weren't accepted. Maybe things were said about them. Maybe things were done to them. And so they stopped going to church. We need to be a church that says, I love you just as you are. Come back home. You're accepted here. I need to move on real quick, and I'm just going to read forgiveness. 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 God not only gave you forgiveness, but God gave you the authority for your present and future to forgive others. He's given you authority to forgive. It's a choice. Forgiveness is a gift that you give to yourself. Because unforgiveness will confine you, hold you back, keep you from going forward. Forgiveness says, I forgive, forget, and make things right again. Make things right again. How many of you a holding on to unforgiveness and things are all messed up and disarray? Maybe it's time to make them right. Forgiveness has no records of wrongs from the past. It does not keep score to get even. It doesn't keep score. They got me, I'm going to get them. The Bible says they strike you on one cheek, let them turn, turn the other cheek, let them strike you on the other. It doesn't say get even. It doesn't say knock them out. Forgiveness is a choice that we must make And a heart decision that we must take. I choose to forgive. I close with this. When I was preparing this, the Lord brought this, seriously, the Lord brought these verses of Scripture up to me in the throne room. So this, I can say, has been bathed in prayer, these verses. And I thought it was kind of unique that God brought this to my spirit because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance those things or the verses or scriptures to your mind. And so uh, when I was praying, I wrote this down. I always keep a journal by me. And I write things down because the Holy Spirit gives it to me. But in Matthew, watch this. Matthew chapter 6, it's the disciples, which you and I are, we're asking Jesus, Jesus, how can I pray? Teach us how to pray. Teachers, have you ever said that before? How do I pray, Pastor? How do I pray? I always call it acts. When I go in to pray, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Acts. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. That's how I pray. But Lord, how do I pray? And the disciples were asking Jesus. So this is Jesus speaking in his very words. This is Jesus formatting a prayer. So he says, this then is how you should pray. Wow. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, the first thing you do when you go into prayer, you recognize the Lord and Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords in your life. When you recognize him, you get the ear of God. You get the ear of God. Always remember that. You get the ear of God. Then he says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, live in me. Live in me. Let me be like you. And watch this. He goes on. In verse 10 11, give us today our daily bread. Man does not live by bread alone, but by the very words that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Not yesterday's banner but today's, today's vitamin, today's nourishment for my life. You find that in prayer. Today I feel empty because I normally pray an hour and a half before every Sunday morning. And I feel naked. I hope I'm doing okay. Am I doing all right today? Am I doing all right? Am I doing all right? Look at verse 12 now. Look at this. Look at what he says in verse 12. The formula to pray. It's not my words. It's his words. My words are empty. His words are power. He says this. Give us today our daily bread. Here's the dagger. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. In our daily prayer, God wants us to have a checkup from the neck up. In our daily prayer, God is saying, forgive us of our debts, me first, and then let me be able to forgive the others that maybe have offended me, hurt me talked about me gossiped about me lied about me took my promotion from me whatever the case may be that brought pain to your life and here's how you know if that pain is still there that every time that person's name is brought up does it bring a spark to you does it bring pain to you does it hurt you when you see them do you avoid them walk around them that's how you know that you haven't forgiven Then he goes on to say, watch this. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Why does he say, lead us not into temptation? Because when you see the one that offends you, you get tempted to get angry at him. You get tempted to get mad at him. You get tempted to want to throw a towel at him. You get tempted to maybe say some words you shouldn't say. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil thoughts the negative conduct, the negative speech that comes out of my life. Then he goes on, watch this. For if you forgive others, (laughs) this is Jesus talking. For if you forgive others when they have sinned against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. What are the three essentials of life? What are the three essentials that we need? We need to be loved. We need to be accepted, and we need to be forgiven. If you want to be wholeheartedly forgiven with God, then you got to forgive your brother and your sister. God not only gave you forgiveness, but God gave you the authority for forgiveness. He gave you that. He gave you the authority. Forgiveness is not just when you feel like it or when you deserve it. It's an everyday experience. Who do you, who do you need to love accept? And forgive. The question is up to you. Who do you need to love, accept, and forgive? Only the man knows his heart better than the man himself. We could put on a great facade inside, but inside you could be like an apple. It looks great on the outside until you bite into it. And it's all bruised brown and spoiled. And maybe that's you. You look great on the outside, but inside, you're all bruised, browned, and spoiled, and you'll never be fixed until you learn to love again, until you learn to accept again, and until you forgive again. Will you stand with me a moment? And then we're going to go right into a meeting, but I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you forward, but I know that God wants to do something today. Today is Valentine's Day. It's a time to love. But we can't love if we have roadblocks in our heart. We can't love and we can't accept if we have roadblocks in our heart. So what I want to do, with no one looking around, I pray for you. I kid you not. I pray for you. I really sincerely do. Heather, I just don't say that. I do. I really do. I pray for you, folks. So your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. I want to ask you a question, Pastor. You say, Pastor. I need to forgive someone in my life. I need to learn to love again. I need to learn to accept again. If that's you, if that's you, you say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Just slip your hand up. Yes. Wow. 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 It's still going up. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't leave the same way you came. I'm not calling you forward. I'm just looking at your hand so I can remember you in my prayer just remembering you in my prayer. Anyone else? Just slip your hand up. I'm going to count to three. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't let the devil wrestle with you right now, because when you walk out of here with unforgiveness and that thing, he's going to beat you up even worse. I'm going to count to three. Anyone else? One. Anyone else? Say faster. Yes. Still going up. Still going up. Two. Yeah, another. Just Just one up over in the back. Yes, I see it. Three. You may put them down. Father, You've seen the many hands that were raised. I pray in Jesus' name, whatever the case may be, whether it be love again, accept again, forgive again, that, God, you take that heart of stone and give them a new heart of flesh, that, God, you would right now begin to change them from the inside out, rearrange their attitude, their outlook in life. I pray that, God, that they will open up and they will give you a second chance, that they won't be afraid, Lord God, that they're going to get hurt again. It's like someone that came to church on Friday night and they were talking to me and I had to share with them that you're at a safe place here at Adventure Church. And I pray that people will once again know, sense, and feel your love. Thank you, Father, for touching those that raised their hand, probably 30 or so hands, if not more, that God, whatever the situation, come to their need. Bless them, bless this congregation. Bless us as we go forward in the things of you, God. Thank you for this Valentine's Day, and I pray that we will show that special someone that we truly love them, for we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.